They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. We're here. We're hoping. Thank you for joining the Bible with the Barbers. I, I go all over the place telling people, you want a Bible study? You can't come to Covina? We'll come to you via Virgin Most Powerful. There you go. Here we are. So what we what, where we want to start today with today's gospel. That's, right. um, that's from Mark chapter seven, verses one through thirteen. Mm-hmm. When the Pharisees, with some of the scribes, had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of the apostles ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all the Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine mere human precepts. You disregard God's commandments but cling to human tradition. He went on to say, How well you have set aside the commandment of God in order to uphold your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever curses father or mother shall die. You say, if someone says to father or mother, any support you would have had from me is korban, meaning dedicated to God, you allow him to do nothing more for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God in favor of your tradition that you have handed on, and you do many such things. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So what we have here, Mark, is um, the Pharisees are there, the the apostles are eating, and the Pharisees are complaining because they notice the disciples are eating without washing their hands. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, well, you know, and that that, I mean, you might think, oh, well, that was just a hygiene thing. Nope. Actually, in reality, what had happened in, in Judaism, yep. in Leviticus, it was um, prescribed that a priest, before he offered sacrifice, had to wash his hands. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder where we get that washing of the hands idea in the New Testament, in the, in the church, in the Mass. Yep. So the priest, before he <laughs> offers the sacrifice, is supposed to wash his hands. Yep. And it's not, it's not just the washing of the hands for hygiene. This is symbolic of, you know, cleanse me, O Lord, from all of my sins. Wash me from it's all my purification. Iniquity. Make me pure. Make me holy so that I can offer this sacrifice mm-hmm. worthily. And so what had happened for the Jews is they had extended that so that every Jew, before he ate any meal, was supposed to wash his hands. And not just as a matter of hygiene, mm-hmm. but as a way of eating that meal in the presence of God, to be conscious of the presence of God and to make that eating of the meal an offering to God, in a sense, a sacrifice of obedience because it's God's will that we have a body and we have to feed the body. So this is what they were supposed to do and they're supposed to extend that so that every aspect of their life becomes an offering to God. 
I wonder why Catholics got those ideas. You know? you know, Mary, that ritual purification from the commentary I have was a symbol of moral purity that a person should have when approaching God. And on the local level for us today, you know, 2,000 years later, I always ask myself, how does this gospel apply to me? Absolutely. And I want to get to that, but I just like what they said, that the Pharisees had focused on the mere external right. And maybe sometimes we do that. What do you think? That can happen, you know, and, and it can happen even, you know, in our in, in terms of the the, the mass. Yeah, and and um, with the sacraments, we have the essence of the sacraments. But mm-hmm. then you can add dignity and um, decorum mm-hmm. to them. But we can get attached to the dignity and the decorum that we add, and we lose sight of what the actual essence of the sacrament is. And so we get all upset when... Um, the Mass isn't as perfect as we want it to be. But again, we, it's that internal participation that the Lord, He's looking for our heart. Are we entering into the sacrifice when we participate in any of the sacraments, but particularly in the Eucharist, because the Eucharist is the source and the summit of the Christian life. Do we enter into that sacrifice? Do we place ourselves on the patent with Christ? So I want to make a suggestion on a practical level that when we go to church on Sunday, and if you go to daily Mass, that's great, but preparation before we go to Holy Mass, Absolutely. read the readings before you go to Mass, right. think about those readings. How can it be applied to me in my own life? Yes. And I think that, uh, what's the message? The message is preparation before we have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Absolutely, we need to prepare. Just like a farmer has to prepare the soil to receive the seed, or it's not going to grow, mm-hmm. So, too, we should prepare our souls to receive the Lord. Makes sense. Excellent. Excellent. So Jesus goes on to tell them, and it's interesting because Mark makes a commentary in there where he talks about all of these rituals that the Jews carry on. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Mark is writing for a pagan audience. He's not writing for an audience that's familiar with Judaism. Yeah, it makes sense. And the history of the writing of the Gospel of Mark tells us that Mark is writing the Gospel as it was preached by Peter when Peter is in Rome preaching to the 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 Romans and so yeah they wouldn't understand all these Jewish customs and so Mark explains those. Let me ask you a question, Mary. Maybe our listeners are at thinking the same question. Mark preaching to Rome, it seems like in one sense, and I could be wrong on this. I'm sticking my neck out, but we have a a, a culture also not unlike not unlike Rome. Correct. <laughs> I, is that a fair statement? It is a fair statement. We're very much like Rome. I, I so. you know, it, it, the Romans had by the time Jesus preaches the gospel, Rome is beginning to decline yeah. in terms of its morals and its yeah. moral practice. Kind of like us. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> Our culture. No decline in the West, no, right? Really? You know, we're all perfect, right? <laughs> no, I seriously. And you had you had the 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 welfare state in Rome. You had yes. the widespread divorce. And the the abortion, no right? longer the you know. There was no longer a respect for the sanctity of the family. And that, of course, with that follows no longer respect for human life. Yep. When you don't respect the sanctity of marriage, you begin. You also disrespect the sanctity of life and the dignity of the human person. Well said. Inherent, and that's, it's all, you know, it's, it's, those who are ignorant of history are doomed to repeat its mistakes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt to study history and, you know, get the real story mm-hmm. and then realize we need to wake up and give ourselves to God. It's only those societies that give themselves totally to God, that are actually living in a peaceable way where there's a true brotherhood among men. How can we have the brotherhood of men if we're not all children of God? Well said. You know, I, and there, there, are, there are societies that want to establish the brotherhood of man, but they, want, they don't want God in the picture. 
Well, you can't have a brotherhood of men without God as our father. If we don't acknowledge that God is the father of all of us, then how can we be brothers? Well, Where's our common father? So um, we need to, you know, we're not unlike the Romans of the first century, um, the pagans who had lots of practices that mm-hmm. were offensive to God. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I mean, the, the, the gospel, when Christ preaches the gospel, the first thing he says is repent. We need to give up the sins. We need to give up the sins. And so he goes on and he tells the, 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 um, the Pharisees, he says, you know, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? You, know? uh-huh. you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And again, that's an examination for us. Where is my heart in regards to God? Am I telling God, look, God, this is what I want for my life. And I just, you need, I just need you to rubber stamp this yeah. and tell me it's all okay. You know? Or am I willing to say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? And I'm willing to change anything in my life Amen. that you are asking me to change. Anything that keeps me from you, I'm willing to give up. First of all, sin. And sin does keep us from God. It offends God. God... All sin is offensive against God. All wrongdoing is sin. Not all sin is deadly, but it's all offensive to God because God is all perfect. He is all true. He is all good. And nothing impure and perfect can enter into the presence of God. That's a quote from the book of Revelation. Right. And so we want, you know, we want to honor God with our hearts as well as our lips. We want our hearts to be in line with what our lips are saying. And so he goes on. You know, in, in, in vain do you worship me because what you're teaching is human doctrines and you disregard the precepts of, of God. And he gives the example that if a man were to say to his parents, everything I have is dedicated to God. Now, that didn't mean that the, the man had to give it to the church or to right. the temple. I mean, that he could use it any way he wanted. He just didn't have to give it to his parents. Wasn't that convenient? But what's the fourth commandment? What's Honor the commandment thy father of God? And thy mother. Honor thy father and thy mother. Bestow glory upon them. You take care of your parents, of and you can't just put it aside. And yet the Pharisees were allowing him to do that, to, to put aside. And, of course, they were getting a little, by doing that, they get a little bit yeah, of kickback the on the side. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it, it, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's, <laughs> Hasn't really changed that much. You know, human nature seems, I don't know, I, it's this human nature of ours. Just see, we seem to make the same mistakes all over and over again. I, I don't know. I, Nothing new under the sun. Something like that, you know? <laughs> and so we can't put aside that we can't put aside the commandments of God. And I know that many, you know, there, there are people who don't understand what the Catholic Church teaches. As Bishop Sheen used to say, you know, there's not a hundred people in the United States of America who hate the Catholic Church. But there are millions who mistakenly hate what they think the Catholic Church represents. And a lot of people who aren't Catholic think that the Catholic Church puts a lot of human um, commandments in place of God's commandments. And that's not the Catholic Church. That's not the, and so we want to live the fullness of the gospel that Christ has given us. And that's what the Catholic Church teaches us. And we don't put aside the gospel in order to replace it with human precepts. Mm-hmm. You know? If you have a question, always give it. Get a copy of the Catechism. I'm holding it go. in my hands. Yeah. If you have a question about what the Catholic Church teaches, go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I agree. That's a good place, and it's 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 beautifully written. And again, you, the Church isn't taking you away from the Gospel; it brings you to the Gospel. When we come back. We'll get right into our Bible study. We're still working on Saint Mark. At the Bible with the Barbers, we'll be back. And if you need more coffee or tea, pour it up. Send me a cup of one day. We'll be right back. 
How does this apply to me? This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Before I turn this back over to my faithful bride, I want to invite you to the Bible study every Tuesday here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina at 7 p.m. We have a Bible study. And on Thursday at 1 o'clock, for those who don't want to come out at night, you you can come to that Bible study. So I want to just personally invite you to either the Tuesday evening Bible study at 7 p.m. or the Thursday 1 o'clock in the afternoon Bible study. Mary, where are we at since last week with the Gospel of Mark? Well, we've gotten up to chapter 9 here in the Gospel of Mark. Um, verse 30 is where Jesus, uh, thirty verses 30 and 30 through 32, he gives the second um, prophecy of his passion. Mm-hmm. He says, the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. And then it goes on. They get to, um, they go to Capernaum, which is apparently where, where Jesus stayed, is he stayed in Capernaum a lot. 
And on the way, they were discussing something. So Jesus asked them about it. What were you discussing? And mm-hmm. they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oops. You know, the kids have been caught with their hands in the cookie oops. jar. Because on the way, what they were discussing is who is the greatest. Mm. <laughs> and isn't that like us? You know, we really always is. top dog. I want to be on the top. I want to be the most important. I want to be, you know, that's just typical flawed human nature. We, ha- we have to learn to overcome that. So... He sat them down and he called them to himself. And he said, if any one of you wants to be first, he must be the last of all and the servant of all. Mm. And he took a child and put him in their midst. And taking him in his arms, he said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And John said to him, teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon to speak evil of me. For he that is not against you is for you. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose his reward. Mm. So the apostles are trying to figure out who's the greatest. And Jesus gives all of us a huge lesson here. The greatest is the one who's willing to serve. It's interesting. One of our listeners sent us a letter that their pastor asked them to send to their bishop. And in the letter, the pastor was telling the bishop, this is the things you need to do in order to rectify all the problems in the church. You know, uh, admit women to ordination, at least to the diaconate. You need to allow women maybe to be cardinals. You need to, but in reflecting on the letter, I'm thinking, it seems that the priest and many people today, they see the ordained ministerial priesthood as a position of power in the church. Well, they just, they're just lording it over us. This is just a patriarchal society where the men are all in control. And no, did you hear what Jesus said? It's the one who serves, who is the greatest. And what is the reality of what a priest is? Every priest is ordained to offer sacrifice. And Jesus Christ is the high priest. So number one, no, the church can't ordain women. That's not a possibility. Every priest who is ordained shares in the priesthood of Christ, the high priesthood of Christ, and in a unique way are identified with him as a man. So only a male priesthood because Jesus Christ was truly a man. He became man, and he wasn't an androgynous human being. He was male. That's just reality, and it's not, it's not putting women down. You know, when God made Adam and Eve in the garden, it, it's a complementarity. There's this, we have to work with one another and serve one another. We each have our own gifts and talents, and it's not about putting each other down. Well, I'm upset I can't give birth to a baby. Yeah, See, no, this is the can't problem. change it. <laughs> Mary, one of the saints talked about following Jesus. They said, what do you need? And he said, there's three things you need. Humility. Humility <laughs> and humility. There you go. And this scripture verse really speaks about humility. Right. And, and yeah. who you are right. in front of God. Right. And, and, and I'm not saying there's not the temptation to act like you have power over other people. I mean, the apostles are arguing about who's the greatest, right? We're human beings. Mm. Jesus Christ founded his church, and he only founded one church. There's not a bunch of them. Nope. And, and, and God really did become man and live on this earth and found one church. One. And so that's, you know, that's his church. And, but it's for service. 
We are to serve, and we're supposed to bring the gospel to everyone in the world. And we're not just supposed to find pagans and say, oh, that's nice, you'd be a good pagan. We're supposed to bring them to Christ. We're supposed to bring Christ to them. We're supposed to be Christ for them. It's like Mother Teresa, you know, when she started in, in India, started picking up the poor people out of the streets who were dying, she just wanted to let them know that they were loved before they died. And she would love them. And Bishop Sheen said, well, Mother, what do you say to all these people? How have you evangelized all these people? And she said, I don't say anything. I love them. Mm. And that was the first step, that unconditional love. I'm here. I'm going to pick you up on the street. I'm going to clean you up. I am going to sit by your side, and I'm going to help you through this lonely process of suffering and death. And she showed that love. And then she would ask them, do you know Jesus? Mm. And they'd look at her and they'd say, oh, Mother, is he anything like you? (laughs) And she would say, no, but I do try to be like him. And they would say, Mother, we want to know Jesus. If he's inspired you, then we want to know who he is. And this is what this is. This is what our Christian life is about, this service. The priests, it's they don't don't have power over us. They're supposed to be serving the people by bringing us the sacraments because through the sacraments we receive Christ and the grace of Christ in order to be able to live that life without sin, in order to live in union with God and draw closer to him in love. And so that's the one who wants to be the greatest has to be the one who's willing to serve. Are we willing to serve? Or are we living in a society that says, well, no, everybody should be serving me. What about me? Well, you know, me first, you know. Well, no. I can see first. how the culture is in contrast to the gospel right now. Yeah. Because the culture says, me, me, me. It does. And uh, the gospel says, you know what, how do you find yourself? By losing yourself. Yeah. And I think Bishop Sheen said it well when he said, give me your time and I will give you an eternity. Yeah. Christ says to us, amen, amen. So we serve one another. And the example he used was to bring a little child in his midst. Mm -hmm. You know, little children who haven't been spoiled (laughs) are not seeking power. They're not seeking to lord it over others. And they trust their parents to provide for them everything they need. And this is what we need. We need this childlike attitude toward God that he is going to provide for all that we need. That doesn't mean we sit back and say, okay, Lord, you know, give me everything I need. No, we work, we serve our family, we do the things we need to do, we do our duty day by day. But we trust, we don't trust in the material things, we trust in God. And, and we will have a sufficiency of what we need of this world's goods. But we should be childlike. Mm-hmm. We should be humble, 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 and trusting. We need to ask the Lord to trust him. So John tells them that they saw a man, you know, casting out demons in his name. And they're like, well, we forbid him because he doesn't keep company with us. And Jesus said, no. You know, if he's doing a mighty work in my name, he will not soon turn against me. Anyone who is not against you is for you. So there is that reality that, you know, maybe someone didn't hear the fullness of the gospel yet, but they heard about Jesus. And so they're trying to do. Now, we should bring them the gospel and, and help them to understand more fully you know, yeah. and that's happened. That happens in the Bible. You have these these group of people who are baptized, and Paul runs into him, and he said, "Well, what baptism?" They were baptized with John's baptism, yeah. but they hadn't heard the full gospel yet. So then he preaches the full. He doesn't say, "Oh, well, you got John's baptism. That's awesome." Just you know, right? No, he preaches the full gospel to him, and he brings him. And so Jesus says that even if you give a drink of water to someone because they bear the name of Christ, 
You won't lose your reward. God sees every little detail of our life. There's not a moment of our life that is insignificant to him. Well, that's when we live in the presence of God. If you stopped, if God stopped thinking about you, you would cease to exist. And you know, Mary, I think about it. The book I wrote, How to Share Your Faith with Anyone, you can get a copy of it by, you know, calling 877-526-2151. But in the book I put, people don't care how much you know Hmm. until they know how much you care. And And I really believe that living in the presence of God gives you that grace uh, to serve, because you're constantly thinking, I'm in the presence of God. What can I do for God? Right. And how do you, a lot of times, we serve God by serving our neighbor? Absolutely. Well, that's, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the letter of John, John mm-hmm. says, don't tell me you love the God you don't see when you hate the neighbor you see, yeah. because you cannot love the God that you don't see if you're not loving the neighbor that you do see. And so, yes, our love of God is expressed. And when Paul was you know, knocked down on the road to Damascus, yeah. Jesus says, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, sir? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Well, wait a minute. I'm yeah. not persecuting You're, Jesus. I, I just, yeah. You know, Jesus is God dead. Is He's church. gone. He's not, yeah. what are you talking about? I'm just persecuting people who are, right. are rebelling against God and, and Judaism because yeah. that's the religion that God had established. Well, Christianity was the fullness of Judaism. It was the fulfillment. Yeah. It was the completion and so, yeah, you're persecuting me, Paul, by persecuting my followers. And that's what we have to know, that whatever we do for anyone else, and that's mm-hmm. the, you know, the last judgment, Jesus will say, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. And I was there. Well, when, Lord? When you did it for the least of my brothers. Mm-hmm. So what we do to other people, we do to God. Yeah. You know, G- Jesus said this. He made this clear that the way we treat others is the way we're treating Jesus. It was um, Catherine of Siena. Our Lord told, yeah. said, you know, Catherine, I... I require that you love like I love. But you see, you can't love me first because I made you and and mm-hmm. so I gave you your neighbor. So you could love someone who <laughs> didn't love you first. That's such a great one. <laughs> yeah, and so that's and that's what we need to do. So then they, Jesus goes on and he warns against mm-hmm. scandal. And he says it'd be better to have a great millstone tied around your neck and drown in the depths of the sea than to cause one of these little ones to sin. Mary, I have to interrupt you because that hits me right between the eyes when you use the word scandal. Yeah. The Bible used that word. Yes, it does. And, you know, scandal is one of the biggest things that hurts evangelization. And in the church right now, we need to be praying hard for our priests, bishops, and the Holy Father because there's a lot of scandal in our church right now. Yeah. And what can you do? What can I do? What can Mary do? We can also pray and make our sacrifices of expiation and sacrifices of reparation to try and gain the graces for Holy Mother, the church today to get back its charism of serving and not to be served because we know we have the McCarrick cases and all these uh, priests or bishops that have been unfaithful. That shouldn't stop you from being faithful to Jesus Christ. Cause the last time I looked, you see that crucifix up there. That's who we worship, not the Pope, not the bishops, not a priest. And so we need to be praying hard for the church today because we are living in what I call uncharted times. This is a serious matter right now. Holy Mother, the church is counting on you, me, my wife, to be praying very hard for the salvation of souls because there's a lot of scandal that's going on. And by how can we all help? By our prayers. 
When we come back, Mary Danielle is going to continue with the Gospel of Mark at Chapter 9 here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about hands-on apologetics with Master Apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of hands-on apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m., right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of breaking the Bible barrier, why Catholic appeals to the Bible fail, and how to make them successful. For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Well, welcome back here. And we're looking at the Gospel of Mark here. We're up to verses uh, 42 through 50. And Jesus is talking about scandal. That's chapter 9, too. Chapter 9. Yeah, thank you. Chapter Mm -hmm. 9. And he goes on to say some things that sound pretty harsh. He says, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if your um, hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. You know, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Mm-hmm. For it's better for you to enter life maimed than to enter into Gehenna with your body sound. Now, is he advocating for us to um, mutilate our bodies? No, that's not what he's advocating. But he's warning us something. It's not just enough to avoid sin. We need to avoid the near occasion of sin. What is causing us to sin? When we go to confession, we need to make a firm purpose of amendment. And we need to ask ourselves, what is causing me to fall into this sin? And we need to avoid those near occasions of sin. 
It's like the internet. You know, if you're addicted to pornography, you need to get rid of the internet in your house because that internet is a near occasion of sin. You know, if you're buying magazines that are pornographic or listening to watching TV shows that are pornographic or listening to music, there's music, you know, sometimes it's not visual. It can be audio or words that are written that are pornographic. If we're allowing ourselves to indulge in these things that are sinful or lead us to sin, we need to get rid of them. We need to cut them out. We need to be ruthless with ourselves. I want to add something, too. After you cut it out, replace it yes. with a virtue. Absolutely. Maybe it's reading the Bible. Maybe it's reading the catechism or a life of a saint, some inspiration that's going to give you uh, something to really meditate that will lead you towards Christ. My wife and I just came back from uh, a wedding. Jesse Romero's son got married in Phoenix, and uh, it was a very you know a beautiful wedding, and we were getting ready to call it a night, and I put on my... Uh, phone a presentation uh, that was so inspirational with Raymond Arroyo, and I said it really lifted me before I went to bed. So I really got to think about gospel values before I went to bed, and so I wasn't thinking about secular things. And so I'm just saying that if you have these issues, especially with, like my wife said, the pornography issue, yes, cut it out, but you need to replace it with what I call a holy habit. Absolutely. And that's, you know, reading your scriptures and, and for the visual, you know, have good, have good, holy, mm-hmm. sacred art in your home, mm-hmm. pictures of Jesus, Mary and St. Joseph and the saints and a good crucifix, a crucifix that really shows the sufferings of Christ. You know, the saints meditated on the passion of Christ. So do that and you will find that you will have the strength to resist these temptations. Mm-hmm. And that's, we have to be ruthless with ourselves don't make a compromise with sin in your life. You know, don't that we can't do it. You know, you don't make compromises with someone who's trying to kill you. You know, Mary. One thing I will say for guys: think of this. Think of almost thing you do in the end game, guys. In other words, what's my end game? What's my goal to get to heaven? Yeah. So everything I do is this going to help me get to heaven, or is this going to? Stop me from going to heaven. And I know that's oversimplifying. I get that. But for guys, I've been working with a lot of guys. I, I always ask them that question. What is your goal? Yeah. And, and many of us men are goal-orientated people. Yeah. So just to remember, life is short and eternity is forever. Absolutely. And make sure that we keep our eyes fixed on the goal. Mm-hmm. Keep our eyes fixed on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And it's interesting here because Jesus says that those who you know, who sin are going to be thrown into hell uh, where the the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And it's like, well, dare I hope that everybody goes to heaven or that nobody's going to hell? Well, I don't know. Jesus is pretty insistent here that there's a real possibility that any one of us could go to hell. So (laughs) I I think we better be asking every day, you know, if you want to go to heaven, are you asking the Lord? I remember Mother Angelica used to say, she used to say, look, sweetheart. You remember how mother, she was saying, look, sweetheart, death isn't going to change your will. It's going to solidify it. So if all your life you have turned away from God and you, you pushed him away, do you think that after you die, that's going to change? No, it's not. It's not going to die. It's not going to change. And that's the reality. We need to turn to God now while we're living and ask him every day for the grace. Like, Lord, I want to go to heaven. Get me ready for that. Help me to give up my sins. Help me to turn to you for the strength that I need. And you know what? It's not 
whether or not we fall, okay? Are we willing to humble ourselves and get up again and say, Lord, that's me without your grace. Now, please give me the grace. Not to, and if I do fall again, I realize I'm not cooperating fully with your grace, but I need your help. It's not, it doesn't matter how many times we fall, as long as we turn back and look at the Lord and say, it's that effort that we make. It's that, that setting our will to do the will of God. Are we doing that every day? Because that's what we need to do in order to weed the sin out of our life. And it, I remember once years ago, I had a discussion with a young man and I was talking about making resolutions. And he said, ah, what's the point? You know, I make the resolution and I just break it anyway. Mm-hmm. He said, well, okay, let me get, let's say you made the resolution a hundred times and you only kept it 99. You kept, I mean, excuse me, you broke it 99, 99 times. You kept it once, didn't you? It's progress. Okay, that's progress. So now make it a hundred times again. Maybe the next hundred times you make it, you'll keep it twice or yeah. three times, or and you'd be surprised. Keep making the effort. And what's amazing is, yeah, it, it seems really discouraging at first because it seems like all I ever do is break the resolution. Keep making the resolution. Lord, I want to do your will and keep making the resolution. I renounce sin. I don't consent to it. And you will find that you, the resolution, you keep it more and more often. Beautiful. So I encourage, you know, we all have to make that. And, mm-hmm. and um, so we want to have the Lord in our life, and we want to make sure that we're turning to the Lord and that our life is a reflection of his presence within us and that we're bringing Jesus to others. And then we go on to chapter 10. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is in chapter 10, we start out with the indissolubility of marriage. Beautiful. Marriage is indissoluble? Well, what did Jesus say? And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again. And again, as his custom was, he taught them. Now, it's interesting, again, just a, just a side note, Mark doesn't give us all the teaching. Well, why? Because Mark was aware of Matthew's gospel that has a lot of the teaching in it. And so he doesn't need to repeat everything. Mm-hmm. So the teaching is there, it's out there, but he doesn't repeat everything. But then the Pharisees come up to him in order to test him. You know, they're, they're not sincere here in their hearts. They want to test him. Mm-hmm. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to put her away. But Jesus said to them, for your hardness of heart, for your hardness of heart, mm-hmm. he wrote this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined, let not man put us under. So Jesus is very clear here. No, divorce is not part of God's plan. As a matter of fact, there's one verse in the Old Testament that God says, hates. God hates divorce. And why? I, the Lord, hate divorce because I desire godly children. When you divorce, it causes great disruption in the psyche of the child, and it makes them, it makes it extremely difficult for them to believe that there is a father in heaven mm-hmm. who can be faithful and is faithful to them because they see this break in their own family, and the family is supposed to be a reflection of the life of the Trinity. So if the family can break up, well, then maybe God can stop loving me. Do you remember Steve Wood, the Presbyterian I minister, do. friend of Scott Hahn? And he told us that 
it was this teaching about the Catholic Church on the indissolubility of marriage that made him realize that he should become Catholic because he saw in the Protestant churches the what he would call, you know, uh, divorces. Right. The one denomination would divorce from another de- a denomination. And he saw the beauty of what the Catholic Church taught for 2,000 years on the indissolubility of marriage. And that was something that was a, very attractive to him because he knew down deep that this is the way God had designed it. Right, right. And in the scriptures, it's very clear. You know, in the, mid- in the beginning, God made them male and female. Mm-hmm. And for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother mm-hmm. and clings to his wife. And what God has joined, man is not to put us under. The two become one. So, Mary, the, even if the church wanted to dissolve a marriage, a valid marriage, it couldn't do it, could it? It can't do it. The church so, cannot dissolve So I want to make marriage. a distinction between annulment right. and divorce. Right. And I don't know if we have time before the break, but let's at least, we I just want to make this connection sure, yes. that an annulment says that the marriage was never uh, a valid marriage. It never took place properly with the proper consents. And it was not, uh, there was something lacking in what took place between that man and woman. Right. And the church said it wasn't valid. Right. There was no marriage yes. to begin with. So it's an not like Catholic divorce. No, it's not a divorce. It's not breaking up a marriage. An annulment is a declaration that there was no marriage to begin with. There you go. Now, when the church grants an annulment, that doesn't therefore mean that the children were illegitimate. No. You know, the children are still considered legitimate That's children. Right. Because the people were civilly, they entered into some kind of a civil union. Mm-hmm. But, but it's not, uh, you know, there's marriage on the natural level and marriage on the sacramental level. Mm-hmm. But, but in order for there to be a true marriage, there have to be certain things in place. And you know, the, both parties have to be free to marry, That's number one. one. And, and then they have to freely enter into it. Right. They can't be coerced. They nope. can't be forced. Um, what about open to life? And they have to be open to life. Both parties need to be open to the possibility of children. So it's possible, let's say, and just on a practical level, and then we'll get back to this after the break. Let's just say the man did not want to have children, and he made that very clear to his wife, and he he just said that to her, and she just went, well, well maybe, you know, I don't maybe know. Maybe he'll change maybe his he'll mind change, down you know, the road, yeah. you know. And the, uh, that would be in grounds for an annulment. But on the other hand, let's say three years into the marriage, they have children. They have children and he changes his mind. Right. Then that, that, yeah, some, that ratifies. Right. That Because some impediments, it would be, be called an impediment. His not wanting to have children would be called an impediment. Mm-hmm. That the fact that they had children later supplies for that impediment. So that marriage becomes valid. Right. When we come back, we'll continue on John 10 on the indissolubility of marriage, what the Bible has to say about marriage. I'm interested in that, and I know you are too. Get yourself another cup of coffee or some tea, and we'll do our last segment here at the Bible with the Barbers. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. 
And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So welcome back. And um, when the disciples were back in the house, they asked Jesus about this. And Jesus says to him, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So divorce and remarriage is... it's adultery. If you've remarried after you're divorced, now there may be times when people are in really difficult situations, they're being abused. You need to separate from That's a spouse right. that you're legitimately married to. That's right. But that doesn't give you the freedom to, to, remarry. to remarry. Bishop Sheen said, you know, I, you know, so your husband turns out to be alcoholic or something. Now, you don't have to stay with, in the same house with him if he's abusing you. You can protect you, and you do need to protect yourself and your children. And, but, um, off, pray for him and pray for the, him to come back and to be faithful and to get over his addiction, whatever's causing it. And, you know, if a man is abusing a woman, well, why? You know, I, people, men who come home for the war, even women who come home from the war and have PTSD are police officers. Yes. Believe me, our police officers have PTSD. They do. They see things in the streets and some of them have their lives threatened or have been shot. And so they're suffering from this. They need help. But you don't have to stay in an abusive situation. But that doesn't mean you have a right to divorce and remarried. That's right. So, Mary, just a quick note. You notice the Bible doesn't use the word irregular union. Right. And I, I, I say that not to try and attack anybody. I just say, you know, use biblical language because, you know, sometimes when we soften a situation, yeah. you lower the bar right. and people don't really get a grasp of what they're living in. Right. And And I think that if somebody... Uh, and I've talked to many young couples and older couples who have been living with a man or a woman that's not their husband. Yeah. And 
they said, thank you for telling me what I needed to hear because I was being told, don't worry about it. God loves you anyway. You know, and it just seems like it's a compromise. And I, I say that because it's the truth that sets us free. Right. And, you know, the question isn't not whether or not God loves us. God loves because God is love. He loves the devils and he loves all the souls in hell. That's right. It's not God who doesn't love. It's the ones in hell who don't love. Right. And so the difficulty is not whether or not God loves us. Yes, God loves us. And as Scott Hahn used to say, yeah, he loves us just the way we are. And he loves us too much to leave us that way. I love that line. Jesus Christ came and the first thing he said was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We need to give up our sin. Yes, God loves us, but sin makes it impossible for us to love. And if we do not love, we cannot get into heaven. Mm-hmm. Satan couldn't get into heaven because he refused to love. Mm-hmm. He refused to submit himself to God and to love God. Bishop Sheen said it this way, if one loves, everything is easy. Yeah. If one doesn't, everything is hard. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, love is, and, and, and for love, it has to be true. It has yeah. to be faithful to the truth. And it doesn't yeah. change the truth yeah. in order for it to feel good. It's not, that's not what love oh, is. Nope. So then Jesus goes on here, and, and, and they, peop, the women are bringing their children to Jesus to have him bless them, and, and the disciples rebuke the people. Don't bring the kids here. You know, we're tired. We're busy. You know. And Jesus was indignant at that, and he <laughs> said to them, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. And, you know, I, I just find this so ironic, mm-hmm. this whole problem with children and, and not wanting to have children in church. Guys, this isn't a new problem. <laughs> the no. apostles were trying to chase the children away. So this has been, this is, it's something inherent in man that the whole reality of the sacrifice called forth from us by the presence of children makes us a little uncomfortable. And sometimes we just want to push it aside a lot. That Jesus said, no, don't do that. The children are welcome. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. One translation is actually suffer the little children. So make the sacrifices necessary. Bring the children to Jesus. Bring the children to Jesus. Bring the children to Jesus. Mary, we were at a church called St. Andrew the Apostle in Arizona. It was Chandler for the wedding. Yeah. And I took a picture of a little piece of paper they have in the pews. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, and all the years, 40 years of going into churches, I've never seen anything so pretty. It said, to the parents of our young children, Sit towards the front where it's easier for your little ones to see and hear what's going on at the altar. They're tired of seeing the back of other heads. (laughs) (laughs) Quietly explain the parts of the mass and the actions of the priest, deacon, and altar servers. Sing the hymns, pray, and say the responses. Children learn liturgical behavior by copying you. If you have to leave mass with your children, Feel free to do so, but please come back. As Jesus said, let the little children come to me. So beautiful. And he made, he point, he, this is the message to the parishioners. I love, I'd love to have a pastor say this. Yeah. Hey, the presence of children, it's a gift to the church. They are a reminder that our parish is growing and they are the future of the church. Amen. Please welcome our children and give a smile of encouragement to their parents. 
Please set a good example for our children by refraining from talking in the church, especially during and after the rosary, by staying until the end of Mass. Children learn liturgical behavior by copying you. Mary, that brought a warm part of my heart when I saw that this was in the church. I thought, how many Catholic churches, many of my friends that I shared it with, they, they're they bringing it back to their parish. If you want a copy of this, just go to, uh, well, email me, Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, at Saint, S-A-I-N-T, J-O-E dot com, and I'll be happy to send it to you because I want to see this in all 12,500 churches in America and around the world because we forgot about the little ones in many cases. We have, and we push them aside, and they build these little rooms that they call crying rooms, and the crying room in and of itself says either one of two things, either don't have very many children or don't bring your kids to Mass, because if all the children present at a Mass are supposed to be able to fit in that crying room, no, it doesn't work, you know, and and so, no, we, we need to make sure that our children are welcome. Jesus said, and, and again, the disciples had the same issue. They wanted to chase the kids away, <laughs> and they wanted to tell the mothers, no, don't bring your children, and Jesus said no. Yep. He became indignant, and he told them, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. So please, bring your children to church, and and everyone else welcome the children. And that doesn't mean you play with them and goo eyes over them and distract them. No, help them to see the proper way that we should act in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Greet them before and after Mass, and during Mass, teach them how to pray by our own example. So welcome the children. Mm-hmm. Amen. And uh, Jesus blesses the children. Mm-hmm. So. And so then we have the rich young man, and he's, Jesus is setting out on a journey, and the man runs up and he kneels before him and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. And then Jesus says, What does he say? Do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Mm-hmm. And he said, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. At this saying, his countenance fell, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. couple of lessons here. Mm. Number one, the young man comes up and he says, Good teacher. And Jesus says, Why are you calling me good? Is that because Jesus isn't God? He says, Only God is good. Mm-hmm. Do you recognize that I am God-made man? Or are you just calling me good because you see the good that I do? What is your motive here? Are you wanting to follow God? Now, if you don't think that Jesus' claim to divinity is legitimate, or it's, I, I'm legitimate in reading that into it, he goes on and he says, what must I do? And Jesus tells him, what does he tell him? Okay, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, and honor your father and your mother. Well, that covers commandments numbers four, through 10. Mm-hmm. What's missing there? And as Father Festio pointed out in a sermon one time, any Jewish boy who had done his bar mitzvah would have raised his hand and said, what about the other tablet? What about the first commandment? To love the Lord your God with your whole heart and mind and soul, which is summed up in the first three. You haven't given that one yet. And so what does Jesus tell the young man? Okay. He doesn't tell him that other tablet. He says, Go and sell what you have if you would be perfect, and then come follow me. 
everybody in that audience, every Jew in that audience knew what he just said. You fulfill the first three commandments. You fulfill the other tablet, the greatest commandment of the law, to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, with all your strength. And Well, you fulfill that by following me. Very clear, clear assertion Mm -hmm. of his divinity. You will fulfill that commandment. And, And so... Jesus definitely made it clear to his audience that he was God in many ways <laughs> throughout the Gospels. He makes it very clear. He doesn't have to say, I'm God. It, 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 it's there. It's, it's, and any Jew, and again, part of the difficulty is we read the Gospels oftentimes with our own you know, 20th century cultural, mm-hmm. we're not reading Mindset. it. Mm-hmm. With, right, and, and you have to read the, the, the Gospel in its historical context. That was, Brant Petrie had that experience in college where he had a, a Jewish professor, a woman, who taught them how to read the New Testament with a first-century Jewish mindset. Mm. Oh, he said, my word, it opened up worlds to him because how a Jew would have realized this. They would have said, you're claiming to be God. Well, wait a minute. You're saying that we fulfill those first three commandments by following you. Mm -hmm. That's a claim to divinity. But, of course, he's already proved his divinity through the miracles he works. And the young man goes away sad because he has great possessions. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. We can get attached to the things of this world, and we need to be very careful that we don't get attached to the things of this world because our attachment to the things of this world keep us from God. God must be first in our lives. And if we're attached to the things of this world, we're actually putting them in front of God. And that's a form of idolatry. So we need to examine ourselves in our own situation. Where is our attachment? You mean to tell me, us guys, we might be worshiping sports? Maybe a little bit. And maybe the women have their own thing they can be worshiping. Shopping, you know, being with friends, just, you know, spending time not doing their duty. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. Well, I want to ask you, Mary Danielle, um, you have a Bible study this evening at 7 p.m. Are you going to be talking on the uh, Gospel of Mark? Tonight? I will be talking on the Gospel of Mark. So We're trying to finish up and understand yes. that Gospel more. So if you'd like to come at 7 p.m. at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. And again, on Thursday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. That is correct. You can come there. I want to thank you for joining us here at the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin, Most Powerful Radio. If you haven't had a chance to make a donation, welcome. you're welcome to go to our website. It's secure. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. Mary, what state should we be living in? State of grace. What state shouldn't we be living in? State of mortal sin. Again next week. God love you. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, 
shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin most powerful radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.